Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. Over the next couple weeks, we're excited to share with you powerful messages from guest speakers and teachers live at the KMG Conference, speaking biblical truth, confidence, and leadership into men striving to show up boldly for the call on their lives. Be encouraged and challenged by each of these great communicators to strive to live a life like Christ. Here is today's message. Well, good morning. There's nothing like uh, being in a room full of dudes on a high-protein diet. What a joy. So uh, thank you for having me. I'm not really sure I'm qualified to be up here. When I looked at the list of real men that are up here, you know, I'm, I don't know if I can uh, compete with a general or Daryl Strawberry or some of these other guys. I'm, I'm a pastor. But it, in all truth, I really am very humbled to be here, and thank you for, for giving me time to speak. Frank, when you were talking about what it means to um, be a warrior, I remember a word I heard once from a colonel, and he said that in a fight, when there's a hundred people fighting, of those hundred, there are 20 that shouldn't even be there. They're not trained, they're not ready to be in that fight. There's 70 that are basically just targets. There's 10, or there's nine rather, that are real soldiers. And then there's one that's a warrior. And as you're talking, I start to think about the idea, sort of mythically, of what this warrior means for men, I think a big part of it means to be, in a way, better than the rest, to go 100%, to be the 1% in a good way, the 1% of men that's the world's best husband, the world's best father, the world's best disciple, and those don't sound like humbling things to say, but those should be true goals that we have, to not compare ourselves with others and say, well, I'm better than that guy but to truly strive to be that one out of a hundred that your wives, your children, your friends are grateful that you're in their lives. My guess is they are, that they, they're more grateful than you know. So today, you know, I want to talk about this idea of sacrifice, the importance of suffering, the dangers of mediocrity, and the value of being willing to do what just feels absolutely horrible to do for the sake of your faith and for your family. So, you know, I'm a shuler, right? So I have to tell you something, anything's possible in your life. And that's true, and we're going to talk about that, that the, the best is yet to come in your life if you're doing life with Jesus. And as Americans, we understand we understand the value of the imagination, the value of believing anything is possible, the value of our dreams, but we've also created today a culture that rewards mediocrity. And you can't have both those things. You can't have your dreams and your possibilities and, and while at the same time have a life of mediocrity. You have to go all out for those things and being willing to go through the suffering. So the two things I want to get across to you today to be that kind of warrior that Frank is talking about. One, you have to actually change your mindset 
that you really can do anything if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. That literally, when he said that anything is possible for those who believe, it's true. Uh, and you need to change that mindset if you're not there. You need to stop comparing yourself to your dad or to your, your brother or to some of your friends. Uh, and especially the ones that didn't do well, the ones that messed up, you can't compare yourself to them and say, oh, I'm, I'm just like them. You have to believe that no matter how old you are, how sick you are, if you're overweight, if you're too young, or for whatever, that really anything is possible in your life. And that's the first change. But the second change you have to realize is that also, when you believe that, you have to be willing to pay the price to get the thing that you want to get. Jesus said everything is possible, but he also said take up your cross and follow me. So number one, anything is possible for your life, but number two, I'll just tell you, the journey is arduous. Arduous doesn't mean it's just difficult, doesn't mean it's just suffering, it means it's going to last a long time, maybe your whole life. And what you have to ask yourself today is, is that thing that is possible in my life that I want, is it worth suffering most of my life to achieve it? And if the answer is no, then, nothing, then there are lots of things in your life that won't be possible because you're not willing to pay the price. I want to convince you today that paying that price is, exact, is 100% worth it. It's a million percent worth it. And, uh, and let's not be too serious, right? Let's, let's have fun this morning, too. I, I'm a lighthearted guy. I, 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 in, in John chapter 14, you know, in Jesus' day, to say what Jesus was saying, anything is possible, you know, it's so hard for these guys to believe. The people that were following Jesus were just blue-collar, everyday guys. This is in the ancient world. And for most people, things were fixed. You did what your dad did. If your dad was poor, you were poor. If your dad was rich, you were rich. It was all about power and entrenched power positions. And so God, Jesus takes these guys that are just kind of everyday guys, and he looks at them and he says, everything's possible for you. And by the way, everything that I've done, walking on water, raising the dead, casting out demons, you can do that too. In fact, you're going to do more than I did. Okay, so, so uh, this begins with a, this begins actually the sermon, was called the Departure Sermon in John. It's John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. It is Jesus' final words. It's his final sermon to his closest disciples. And this includes the like abide in the vine stuff and you'll bear fruit. But this is so important to me. He says, Philip, or Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Okay, so there you see the Trinitarian reality. The Father is in the Son. The Son's of the Father. He says, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then, be, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, okay, this is true for today. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me, in fact, will do greater works. Everybody say greater works. Will do greater works than these. Why? Because I'm going to my Father. I, uh, 
I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. Who believes that? It's hard to believe that if I ask for something in Jesus' name, that I'll get it. That I'm going to do greater things than Jesus did. Look, this is what Jesus told us. And there are a lot of preachers that will say, that's just not true. These are preachers who don't have faith. I've seen it. I've seen God heal men who couldn't walk. I've seen God save a woman who was hit by a bus, flung through the air. She had white pants on and her pants weren't even dirty. She was the leader of our missionary team. I've seen God do amazing miracles, but I haven't seen a lot of those in America. I've seen them on the mission field where there is the spiritual warfare that's going on. And I believe that in America it's easy for us, as men in particular, to become complacent and mediocre and comfortable with our food and our wealth and our TV and everything we have. Look, guys, those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but like anything, they might be like draining the real miracle kind of life you could have. So you must believe first that, that when Jesus says, anything is possible in Matthew, for those who believe in me, or you will do greater things than I did, including miracles, that that, that is true for you. Anything is possible in your life. Now, the danger, for those of us who do believe that, is the danger of denial. So here's a great example. I, I assume my mom isn't going to see this. I hope my mom doesn't come to a men's conference. But when I was, when I was uh, growing up, you know, we, we had a lot of, my parents were divorced, and I lived with my mom. And, you know, we, we had tough times financially. There were lots of nights we had potato soup several nights in a row, or pancakes, and we just didn't have food. And I remember once that my, my mom, you know, she, she saw a lottery commercial. And on the lottery commercial, it finishes with a hun giant $100 bill with Benjamin Franklin right in the middle. And, it go and the Benjamin Franklin says, my mom's name is Linda. It looks to the TV and says, even you can win, Linda. And my mom saw that, and she thought that was the Holy Spirit. She thought, she thought like, that it didn't happen, that the Holy Spirit revealed through. So she comes to me, and we have no food. And she says, I've been praying, I needed a miracle, and the, the TV screen, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, I, I, I heard it plain as day, Bobby, I was like 14 or 15, plain as day, it said, even you can win Linda. So she bought this lottery, like five lottery tickets, I mean, if, if you're going to win, buy one, you know, if you know, why buy five, save four bucks. <laughs> anyway. So she, she buys five lottery tickets, and, and, uh, and, and I, I was skeptical, but she had zeroed out. And uh, guess what? She won the lottery. No, just kidding. No. She, she, so she lost, right? So she lost. You know, as an aside, by the way, your chances of winning the lottery, you're more likely to die in a car accident 13,000 times. <laughs> you're more... I'm not going to get into it. Don't play the lottery. It's stupid. Anyway... So she had this thing, and I think she was upset at God. God, you gave me the sign. Why didn't I win the lottery? And I, I think there's, if, if you win the lottery, that's great. Shepherd's Grove is a non 
nonprofit uh, charitable organization. <laughs> Receives taxable gifts. See, so it was a few days later, I'm watching TV, and I see a lottery commercial come on, and there's the Benjamin Franklin. It goes, even you can win, Bill. And then I realized this was their campaign, was to take very popular names and say, even you can win, Jane. And uh, I think very often when we, be, when we embrace the anything is possible with Jesus mindset, we also think we're embracing something easy. Anything is possible, like winning the lottery. Well, the good news is my mom end up, ended up making a lot of money later in life through real estate. But it was through arduous, difficult, back-breaking, late-night works. And this is, this is a principle for life that, yes, we must believe that anything is possible, that God will call us to do impossible things. But we also have to remember that there is a big price to pay. And it's actually in the paying of the price, in the suffering, in the difficulty, and in the training that we become the kinds of men that can do the things God has called us to do. That the fulfilling of one calling and the suffering that leads to that calling will then prepare us for the next calling. So that's again why Jesus does say anything's possible for you, but he also says take up your cross and follow me. Jesus wasn't afraid of pain. Jesus wasn't afraid of suffering. And neither have been the greatest Christian leaders in history. Actually, you want to know a great, hear a great story? In, in, uh, in Europe, in the 7th century, most of Europe had become Christian, except for you know, most of Germany. These large pockets of what's now Germany that were filled with Druid warriors. And that uh, nobody could seem to break through and bring the gospel to, to Germany until there was this English uh, priest and monk who was invited to visit the Pope in Italy and thought he was going to stay there and be a professor and eat pasta and enjoy the good weather in Rome. And, and the Pope, and some people speculate that the Pope didn't like this guy very much, so he, he told, him to do this, he told uh, Boniface, Go into the heart of Germany and preach the gospel to the Druid warriors. He was so upset about that because he thought he was going to eat pasta and teach, and now he has to go to cold Germany and uh, is probably going to die. And so he just decides on his journey to Germany that he's just going to die a martyr. He's like, I'm just going to friggin' die, and I don't even care. I'm so, and he was angry at the Pope. And he walks into the center of the country where there is this huge ancient world tree called the Tree of Thor. And he walks in unannounced with an axe on his shoulder, says nothing, and chops down the Tree of Thor and begins to preach from it. That's a warrior, Frank. That's a man. And little did they know, little did he know, that in the Druid culture, the greatest virtue was courage. And the only missionaries that had been sent there before were a bunch of wieners. And so they had... <laughs> and so when he's just like, I'm just going to go and die. I'm, I'm over this. I'm not going to live in Germany. He cuts down the tree of Thor, which also sounds awesome. 
Actually, in the story, part, part of the miracle was that as he began chopping, I mean, it's a giant tree. I don't know if you ever chopped a tree down, but it takes a long time. So he's chopping down this giant tree, and the wind starts blowing. And Thor, of course, if you watch Marvel movies, you'll know, is the god of thunder and storms. And a wind starts to go, and so they think, oh, yeah, here it comes. Thor's going to kill this guy. And the wind comes and finishes the job, like blows the tree over, and it just goes, go, 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 go. And then he just like stands up and he's like, you are all in sin, I need to repent. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, so bringing the gospel to Germany sounded impossible to a lot of people. 700 years of faith in, in Europe and it still hadn't made it to Germany. It took somebody who was willing to die, and in his case even wanted to die, to break through. And this is the narrow road. What do you think it felt like for that guy to stand up there, by the way, and preach? 100% guarantee it felt great. It felt great. There is something about the narrow road, isn't there? That it's difficult, it's arduous, it's horrible, but there's also a part of it that when you've been on it long enough, you begin to love it. And it begins to change part of you to truly be someone who's doing impossible, what everybody said was impossible uh, for the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is teaching us in this famous Sermon on the Mount. It's maybe the most important thing he ever teaches on. Can I ask you a question, by the way? How many is a few? How many is a couple? Let's start there. A couple is what? Two. How many is a few? I there's no clear definition. Maybe three, four, six. Okay, I just want to begin there. Jesus says... <laughs> Yeah, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction and there are many who take it. For the gate, uh, yeah. For the gate is narrow and the road is difficult that leads to life and there are few, 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 few who find it. There are few. Now, I don't believe that this passage is about going to heaven, although it might be. I think it's about Zoe. It's about having a full, rich, abundant life in the kingdom of God. But there is a price to pay. It's not the easy, wide path that everybody else has done. It's a difficult arduous life that has a lot of suffering, and that's okay. Because what we have seen is that it is very often in the suffering, especially when we choose the suffering, that that suffering becomes like a crucible that brings out sort of the, the gold within, and that gold is Jesus Christ, that, that as we struggle, we see the power of the Holy Spirit emerge uh, in our weakness. And it's something that can only be realized uh, when you willingly suffer for the Lord to pursue that thing that is impossible. And by the way, I'm not just talking about starting a business, I'm talking about saving your marriage. I'm talking about beating your addiction and letting go of your ego, not being afraid of being embarrassed. I'm talking about sharing your faith with your colleagues at work. I'm talking about cutting off relationships 
that are unhealthy for you, the, you have to do, there are certain things in your life that if you want to have life, you have to be willing to suffer. And not just suffer physically, you have to, there's this emotional and mental suffering that happens, especially for us when we want to be honorable, respectable, but we've done things that are not honorable and respectable, and we need to repent and, uh, and find help. There's a, there is a, uh, There's a, uh, great, a great podcast. Uh, now, this is not a Christian podcast. When you listen to it, there, there's a lot of uh, sailor talk. But I think you'll be okay. You'll live. And it's with a guy named David Goggins. He's not a Christian. And he's being interviewed by Joe Rogan. And I love this guy's story. He started out uh, at, at this home in a black community and uh, was very poor, and, and his dad was super abusive, and his, he recalls a story one time when his dad beat up his mom and then drug her down the stairs by her hair, and then he went to fight his dad, and then his dad beat him up. And, uh, and then she finally leaves him, and he and his mom moved to this little town in Indiana. This is in the, not that long ago, in the 90s. And it's an all-white, very small town of about 10,000 people. And like the first week he's there, there's like a town parade, and the Ku Klux Klan is in the parade. And so he spends much of junior high and high school. He's the only black kid in, a, in the whole town. And he's being called the N-word every day. And he's an outcast and doesn't have any friends. Develops a stutter. Starts getting fat. And by the time he's 24... He's impoverished. He's living in a one-bedroom apartment in the worst part of town. He can barely afford the rent. He weighs 300 pounds. He is uh, an exterminator, and he's just depressed. And one day, this guy sees on the Discovery Channel a story about the Navy SEALs, and he gets this question in his head, what if? What if a what if a fat, this is his words, not mine. What if a fat loser like me could become a bad eight? I kind of want to say it, but I can't because I'm in church. <laughs> uh, what if, be, you know, became the, the, the baddest mother <laughs> loving son of a gun? And, and so, you know, he, he decides, what if, what if? It's possibility thinking, guys. What if? What if that could happen to me? So he goes down to the recruiter center, and the recruiter says, you're out of shape. There's no way we can even take you into anything. And he goes to recruiter, recruiter, and finally one guy says, maybe the reserves will take you. So he goes to the reserves, and they say, look, you can be in the reserves. There's a qualification in three months, but you have to be 190 pounds at your height, and you weigh 300 pounds. And so he, he said, oh, I just said, I'll oh, forget that. I can't do that. I can't lose, I can't lose 100 pounds and." months and went back to, he said, drinking chocolate milkshakes. One day, because he was an exterminator, he was at a Red Lobster, and he said he hit, <laughs> he hit the mother load of cockroaches. And he's like, he's like, I don't like cockroaches much. And he's just like, hit the mother load. And he was like, this is my life. This is my life. And this is the result of the decisions I've made. This is my life. And he decided, he left that spray bucket there, left the van, and just walked away. And decided he was going to do whatever it took to lose that weight. He lost 100 pounds 
in three months. And he said he just went crazy. And he was afraid of water too, which makes it even great. You know, he's had this horrible fear of water. He couldn't swim. So he would like get in the pool and just like freak out. Because if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you got to be able to swim, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> swim like a SEAL. So he's just like, he's like working out. And when he's not working out, he's like training his mind by just being in a pool, which is like ha has his you know, brain going. And he just, and he just decides that I'm going to do this. And he ultimately becomes, he has to go through three hell weeks. So if you know anything about hell week, it's like one of the most horrible things. People die all the time. It's, he goes through three hell weeks and becomes a Navy SEAL. So this guy just, and he, what he says is he's like, he just decided that he needed to suffer. He was like, if I ever saw something that I was like, would be so absolutely horrible and I wouldn't want to do it, I'd be like, I, I, I'm, I have to do that. So if it's three in the morning and it's raining outside and he's like, man, the worst thing ever would be to go out there and run. He's like, gets out of bed and just goes and runs in the rain. And this has been the guy's mindset. He's become an ultra marathon runner since being a Navy SEAL. He, the first time he ran, he'd never run a marathon and then they gave, he decided he, he wanted to raise money for a bunch of his friends who died in a, in a helicopter fight in, a, in Iraq. He goes out to this run and he does 70 miles and is completely done, falls into this lawn chair that he starts peeing blood, craps up his back, and almost starts going into shock. And then his, his, his wife is like, you need to go to a hospital. But then he's like, no, I have to do this because the suffering is good for me. I'm not recommending this, by the way. It's very dangerous. <laughs> but he, he gets out of his chair, and he just begins to, like, hobble around the circle. And then he said something happened around mile 81. 81. He'd never run a marathon. And he just went into this full-on run and finished and qualified. He now has set the world record for most pull-ups. He, he did 4,030 pull-ups, which I think is pretty impressive. But my, the main thing I thought of when I heard that was, the main thing I thought when I heard this interview was, man, if, if we as believers, if this guy could become, a, actually I prayed for him, if this man could know Jesus and apply that same understanding that suffering can bring the best out of us, that choosing to, to be what's horrible is the thing that makes you the warrior. It's the thing that makes you the one out of 99. It's, it's the suffering that makes you a great husband, makes you a great dad, makes you a great employee, makes you a man of God. It's getting up in the morning and praying. It's putting the Lord first in everything you do in your life and just deciding I'm not going to be like everybody else. That is what makes us... And the danger is there's all of these things that want to draw us away from our calling. Thomas Aquinas once was with the Pope, and the Pope takes him, this is in the medieval age, the church is very wealthy, and the Pope says, look, Thomas, and he shows him a treasure room, no longer can we say silver and gold have I not. And Thomas grabs him by the arm and says, neither can we say rise up and walk. You see that exchange? That's the exchange. Look, it's, it's okay and even good to, to succeed, to have money, to do well in life, but never, ever, ever let it deter you from understanding the value of suffering and the value of sacrifice and the value of choosing to watch, walk the narrow road for your faith and not depending on food or on wealth or on any of those things, but depending on the Lord. And, and watch. If you're willing to suffer, if you're willing to let go of your ego and you're willing to do what's difficult, 
God can do anything in your life, anything. And we believe that. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.